Welcome to episode number 85 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on September the 20th, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. That was really fast. And I know, right? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. There, mine was really slow, Ian, and that balances out. Yeah, I think we're, we're evened out now. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter and station chief, and volunteer search and rescue technician and prepper. I've been preaching living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so, and this was born out of necessity for the long-term and short-term survival of my family. All right, my name is Tyler, and I live in northwest Wisconsin. Uh, besides prepping, I also enjoy homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. I always feel so inadequate when you guys are on. <laughs> if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at www.rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds go to help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Uh, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, email into the show at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, we've got some autumnal content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off first with some preparedness for the news articles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to start, uh, then we're going to let you know what we've done for our preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, prepping for the fall. And not the actual fall over, but the season. Uh, I found it really interesting. A uh, quick article from CTV News here in the notes. Um, Walmart is ending their price match program. I imagine that other large retailers will be doing the same. Everybody's feeling the crunch. Um, and so they're trying to not be subjected to other people's margins, uh, protect their protect their own profits. Uh, probably a good idea for us to protect our own profits as well. Keep the, uh, um, keep your cash on hand and all that good stuff. So just, I found that really interesting. It's a, I think that's a sign of how, how things are going to go in the economy coming forward. There's going to be a lot less race to the bottom for, uh, for retail. Yeah. I found that interesting as well. It's a big box store all of a sudden cutting that out. It's, I don't know. They've been doing that for a long time, haven't they? It's been a really long time. Same with uh, the Loblaws companies. They've been price matching forever. And uh, I haven't seen any announcement from them yet, but I imagine they'll be, um, they'll be pushing towards getting rid of that sooner than later. I find it funny. I mean, how many people actually price match it? Is it having that big of a difference on their margins? I mean, well, they, they cite in the article, they cite, um, um, like complications and delays at the checkout. So because you've got fewer checkouts mm -hmm. and more people, they want to, they're, they're talking about how it's, uh, it's slowing down the actual checkout process. But if you look at any business, it all comes back to the, it all comes back to the bottom line. So. No, uh, I get that. And I guess a lot of it is, is self checkouts now, right? So you have less, um, yeah. less, less, I guess people to help out with that stuff. And the, the other thing too, is I know like I've tried to price mix price match against Costco and they said no, because they're membership based store. So we can't price match against them. Mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't price match against places like Amazon as well. Right. So yeah, just really wasn't worth it. Yeah. But I, I mean, between, between the labor and the, and the actual sales margin, I would, I would imagine it was, it's obviously enough for them to, to get rid of it. And, right. Sign of the times. 
Now's the right time, 2020. Right. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> In reality, probably at the board meeting, so he's like, we need a quick idea to save money. How are we going to do it? The guy's like, oh, this might work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, for myself, I got a couple of articles. The first one was the uh, train derailment. Uh, the city of, or town of Hope on the east end of uh, lower mainland here in BC, it's actually the, the crunch point where all the highways kind of come together, and it's your main entrance to the lower mainland. So there's this really large train de- derailment that was actually just full of potash, which was, you know, basically a fertilizer train. Uh, luckily, it didn't block the highway, but it was only about two, 300 yards away from actually cutting off that one way out of town. And uh, the only other way, way out of town is via the ski hill to the north. So it's actually uh, could have been a major deal, but also in case of like a bigger emergency that is shows you how vulnerable like 3 million people are to being isolated, especially wow. with the U.S. border closed. Hmm. So... It was interesting. Uh, so I put a global news article for that one in there. Also, another one from the CBC, a billion dollars a month since COVID's uh, lockdown started, people have been deferring their mortgages. Yikes. Not a small amount. Uh, mm. Interesting thing is, I think a lot of people are still under the mistaken impression that at the end of the deferral period, they just pick up where they left off and you know just keep making their monthly payment. But in reality, of course, they got like six months worth of payments back on mm-hmm. their pay at once. And so if they couldn't afford it at the time, they're probably not going to have a lump sum saved up for this from the deferral ends. So right. I, I sense some financial doom coming upon yeah. a lot of people here soon. The signs are there. I think we all yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Yeah. have to go back and do another financial prep episode. I think we we, yeah. didn't, have, we didn't have anywhere near the, the, the vision that we have now of uh, – no, it's coming. So, mm-hmm. and we did that episode quite a while ago too. It, so. it was a long time ago. Yep. Things things have changed slightly. <laughs> I found something very interesting. I was in a local power sports de- dealer, and and you know the last time I was in there was probably a year ago, and they had full inventory, yeah. and now they had literally nothing. Like mm-hmm. all the side by sides, ATVs, dirt bikes were all gone, and they said our sales just skyrocketed. And they said, you know, it was kind of a product of everyone staying home, still having disposable income, especially those on CERB, not having to spend that income, spent it. So they said, if anything, in six months, you're probably going to see the used market is just going to explode because, you know, people are going to kind of come to the the realization that they don't have the money to buy this. And the worst part is that the dealers had incentives of like 0% financing on a lot of these machines to get them Mm -hmm. out the door. And they they Uh. did it. But how long can these people sustain these payments, right? So... We'll see. That's how I ended up with my truck. It was just too good a deal to pass up for the exact same reason. The, the inventory didn't match the didn't match the market. Mm-hmm. Have to keep an eye on Kijiji in the next little while. Yeah, I could use side by side for a good deal. Yeah. Nice. For myself, I've got a couple of news articles in here. Uh, First one from CBC in regards to uh, a woman suspected of mailing that rice into uh, the White House was arrested at the U.S. Canada border. Interesting. If you've been uh, paying attention to the news the last couple of days, that's uh, that's been something that's been cycling quite a bit. So the quick question on that one is: uh, she was arrested at the border, trying to head back to Canada, or heading into the U.S.? It didn't say. Just at the, uh, I think it was the New York border, if I remember correctly. I think it, they were trying to head into Canada, and her significant other in the vehicle was also caught with a handgun on him at the, at the U.S. border. So yeah, she was, they, were, they were stopped on the U.S. side. So that didn't go so well. Yeah, uh, so they didn't so care about like the horizon. They Canada just into the, the U.S. That is interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. Does say, it does say Canada into the U.S. So they were. Does it? Yeah. Oh, fair yeah. So just uh, for the listeners, I mean, rice and powder is basically it's it's kind of like the idea of carfentanil or something like that. It's obviously a small dose can can kill somebody. Uh, basically, a few grains uh, the size of table salt uh, can kill an adult human. So um, yeah. For, for more information on ricin, 
go back to the third and sixth seasons of Breaking Bad. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, one milligram per kilogram kills you. Yes. Wow. Anyway. I'm lucky. That's a lot of rice, and I would notice that. Hopefully. Well, <laughs> another advantage <laughs> being fat. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, hard to kidnap. Hard to kill by ricin. Those, right. those are the two things yeah. I got going for me. It's kind of wonder though, half of how they would they would kind of not think that maybe somebody would open Donald Trump's mail for him before it got to him. Mm. You okay. know, I'm just just thinking like he doesn't really open every letter it comes to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 got to be symbolic more than anything. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, another one, Eric. Yeah, I do. I've got uh, another one here in regards to uh, Ontario is reimposing stricter gathering rules uh, across the province as uh, COVID nineteen cases start to surge. So that's uh, going to be interesting. And there's been all kinds of little parties and stuff that have popped up since. And I don't know how well it's going to go over, but the lockdown is most likely coming. I think too many people are getting colds. We need to we need to stop the cold the spread of colds. Yep, yep exactly. Um, for myself, the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season is so intense that they've ran out of the uh, storm names and they've now had to resort to the, uh, the Greek alphabet. Um, and the, I think there are already two, two names. So alpha and beta already taken. Um, so we knew it was going to be an active season. Uh, didn't quite think it was going to be this active. And there's actually a uh, hurricane Teddy is uh, barreling down on the uh, beautiful province of Nova Scotia. Probably going to be here Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning as a category one or two. So kind of bracing for that right now as well. So we'll keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Did you not say there's a few of them uh, circling around the ocean right now? There's five, I think. Yeah. So er- earlier this week, there was five named storms, uh, which is something that hasn't happened since I think 1968. Um, and right behind that, there was two more storms forming. So there's a possibility that you'd have seven named storms within the Atlantic basin at the same time. Who, who so had storms for, November, for October? If that's not 2020 for you, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's all I had. Uh, yeah, for myself, I don't have a specific article, but just wanted to bring up uh, some recent news. So there's been quite a bit of speculation within uh, even the media that the recent passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is uh, could lead to some additional civil unrest here in the States. Um, so it's no secret that the upcoming election is likely going to end in some some sort of civil unrest, but this may accelerate that process a little bit. So just something to kind of keep an eye on in the next week or two and see how that pans out. Is it just me or is like the entire United States right now, kind of that, uh, um, like that really crazy, that really crazy person that's screaming at you on the side of the road and you yell at them to calm down and it just makes them matter. Cause that, that's it's, exactly what it hears, what it looks like from here. That's kind of what it feels like from down here, too. <laughs> Don't you tell me to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just calm down already. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not the calmest it's ever been down here, that's for sure. Yeah. I guess we'll see. The next couple of months are going to say a lot, and it, I don't know. It, it could go a lot of different directions from here, and, and it's hard to speculate. So in the meantime, just kind of get your preps in order and do what you, you know, control what you can, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's all you can do, really. Mm-hmm. Right, Shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? Myself rotated the fuel supplies, uh, harvested most likely the last of the tomatoes and the cucumbers from the garden. Uh, we've got all kinds of uh, frost advisory and warnings happening here already. And uh, besides that, it's just been insanely busy with uh, during this week with all kinds of non-preparedness related things. So not a whole lot for the list this week. You get, I mean, Hughes, Hughes and Ian are here, so they're they're always they've always yeah. 
lots to talk about. So. Yeah. So for the next 45 minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's up next? Ian? Ian? I don't think Ian's around. Nope. How about we lost jump to Alan? Yeah, sure. To Alan. Um, I also had a crazy busy week. Um, didn't get much done around the house. I did do some rescue training, which was a whole lot of fun. Um, learning how to use ropes and pulleys to create mechanical advantages and uh, other things that are useful in the wilderness. Um, I was describing what it what it looks like to have a fat guy walk trying to climb a rope and if you can picture like a, a walrus flopping around on the ice but five feet in the air um so that's that's about that's about how it felt um went to visit a family member he's leaving the country for a little bit so i helped him get a, get his house set up to be vacant for a while um and then i'm gearing up this week to uh to switch out the car kits once both my cars are back in uh back in the same driveway get the uh car kits switched out for fall and winter and what that looks like will be uh coming up in the rest of the episode nice uh for myself so since last time i've been on the podcast uh we went ahead and butchered all eight of the pigs that we were raising uh we processed two of those ourselves uh we kept one uh, to put in our freezer and then we traded one of those to my brother-in-law for an elk that he shot out in montana um we're also getting another one of the pigs processed uh, up north at a processing place. Um, so we're going to have that one professionally done so we can kind of compare that to how we cut ours up and, you know, did we, did we lose a lot of meat when we cut up our own? And then we can kind of decide next year what we want to do. Uh, so just today we smoked the bacon. We had that curing all last week. Uh, smoked the bacon today and sliced that up, packaged it. Uh, we also ground just over 100 pounds of pork uh, from the one that we processed from ourselves. Um, last few weeks, been doing quite a bit of shopping, just kind of padding the food pantry and stocking up on some other supplies, uh, getting ready for any shenanigans that may ensue around the election. Uh, rotated, refilled the fuel storage. I also added two hundred pound propane tanks. Um, had a load of gravel delivered last week and spread that in the back half of my barn, and just packed that today uh, as I continue to kind of get that area set up to raise some goats next spring. I uh, did a final grade on my driveway before everything freezes. Um, we've been we've actually gotten a couple frost, light frosts here this last few weeks. So uh, we went ahead and finished out the garden, kind of picked everything that was still there, uh, started clearing some of the dead plants and the ones that were dying out. Picked our pumpkins. Um, we also moved our chicks from the brooder into the main coop, and happy to report that all 28 of the chicks are still doing good and they are growing pretty fast. So. Looking forward to hopefully getting some eggs from them in a, probably another couple months. Uh, finished up a brake job on the car today, so I put new calipers, uh, pads, and rollers on the front. I had one of the calipers that seized up, and uh, that was quite a quite a fun time getting those off because the rollers were like completely rusted on. So, um, Besides that, I've been doing just uh, basic fall preparation stuff, um, picking up hoses, putting away patio furniture, uh, just kind of generally putting things away for winter storage. So we'll talk about all sorts of that stuff coming up here. I think Tyler wins today. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, it's been a couple weeks, so it's my excuse. <laughs> uh, for myself, similar to Tyler, I resurfaced my driveway today. So I had 16 tons of gravel delivered Friday um, and used a uh, Kubota machine today to uh, spread it out. Uh, also, uh, yes, or sorry, Saturday, checked out the deer stands uh, for the upcoming season, which starts at the end of October, uh, and also getting ready for um, waterfowl season, so typically hunt uh, sea ducks and geese here. 
uh, I winterized the travel trailer uh, just because we uh, we we were done uh, with it for this year, so I winterized that. Uh, I spent some time Friday afternoon to repack the get home bag and the bug out bag. Uh, one of them is kept at home. One of them is kept in my vehicle uh, with cold weather specific, sorry, cold weather climate specific items. Um, and then as well, I replenished uh, propane tanks and fuel stocks ahead of Hurricane Teddy coming uh, Tuesday or Wednesday um, and for the winter months. And, uh, yeah, that's what I did in the past week or so there. All right. Hey, can I go back since I have my internet dead on me? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got uh, part one of the solar system uh, set up. Uh, the island mentor came over and helped me get the solar panel up on what doubles as our laundry line and maybe perhaps the ham radio antenna down the road. Uh, still need to work on the wiring, the battery, and all the meters that uh, come along with it. Um, did a couple CGN deals. I won a saw from Tracy, the part-time prepper, on Facebook. So Ooh. I got... Oh, I think he's gone again. Apparently, that saw was used to cut his internet line. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if he does come there, back. Was, there, was, there was some shooting that happened. Um, he probably also did something to do with the rain because that's just what he yeah. does. Yeah. yeah, that's what he does. Look at me. I don't get snow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's about 17 pages of notes here from Ian. So uh, <laughs> if he does come back, we will let him read the first two or three, uh, maybe four, depending on what time he gets back. So until he does return, let's move into the main topic, shall we? Well, of course, Ian was the first one up here. So he I'll, uh, maybe I'll dig into his stuff for him. Um, first thing to check, of course, your vehicle bags, your get home bags. Um, most of the time when bad weather hits, then it's because you're out somewhere. Um, so your winter kit, make sure you have enough to spend the night in an unheated car. Uh, it's yep. great to say that, well, I'll just run the heater until the gas runs out. And then um, those cars do not keep you very warm for very long. They're good, good wind, bre wind breaks and that's about it. Um, mm -hmm. So make sure you have a blanket, a sleeping bag, um, you know, a jacket, coat, parka, rain, par rain, rain poncho is what he put in here because easy in and doesn't have to deal with real weather. Uh, two can mitts, <laughs> candles and heater packets. Um, we, I think we talked about it the last time that we talked about uh, heat sources. Um, go back and listen to that about um, carbon monoxide and what the signs and symptoms are. Yeah. Wasn't mm -hmm. that, I think that was even the last episode. So if you're going to burn your candles, if you're going to burn candles in your car, uh, make sure that you've got a fresh air source. Um, one of the challenges that we have with all of, with all electric vehicles is if your battery's dead, you can't put your windows down. So That's just one of the, one of those things to be aware of. Don't let if you're you know if, if there's a if there's a an issue, um, get get your get your windows down before your. Uh, before your, your, your engine stalls out. So that's one of the challenges to overcome. Uh, make sure you test your battery, your battery blanket, your block heater, whatever it is that you're gonna use to keep your car, uh, keep your car warm. Uh, if you don't have a block heater, probably a good thing to have. Um, if, if the rest of 2020 is anything like the first two <laughs> thirds two. of 2020, get an extra one. <laughs> it's, it, it's just not good. It's not, if, if you've never needed a block heater before, you're probably going to need one this year just, yeah. just because it's 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, check your fire extinguishers if you have them. Uh, <clears throat> even if you're, so if, if you're checking your fire extinguishers and they're, uh, even if the, the needle's in the green, make sure that you just pick it up and turn it around and turn it over a couple of times. Make sure that the, uh, the powder that's inside doesn't cake in the bottom. Um, it's always disappointing to squeeze and you get this big rush of air, which doesn't help anything mm -hmm. and very little powder. Um, check up, top up your fluids. Now's a good time for an oil change. Now's a good time for your transmission fluid, all that good stuff. Keep spare washer fluid. 
in your in your vehicle. Always yep. keep spare washer fluid in your vehicle, but especially in winter, it gets uh, uh, it's super important. Mm-hmm. And oh. then check the air pressure in your uh, in your spare tire. And if you are uh, it's probably depending on where you are in the cli- in the in the the country, it might be time to start thinking about changing up to your winter tires if you have them. Beat the rush. Yeah, yep. beat the rush. Or you could be like somebody who is in my immediate family group that just leaves their winter tires on all year long. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, just, they're just saving work that way. They're just like, just, sa- just saving work. Absolutely. <laughs> I know this is gonna sound really simple, but when it comes to the uh, windshield washer fluid, um, I've seen it happen a lot of times where people have summer specific uh, Rain-X bug detergent and they put it when it's minus 10 and it literally just freezes to the windshield right on contact. Mm-hmm. So just make sure you have season-specific uh, windshield washer fluid because although the Rain-X bug stuff is really awesome in the summertime, it's not that awesome in the wintertime. So just, just make sure you have the season-specific stuff, right? So I just leave the green stuff in all year round so it's like good to minus 45 or whatever. Yeah. It's worth the extra couple bucks in the summer. Usually the, the stuff that freezes at a at a you know, lower temperature, higher temperature uh, is a little cheaper. So if it's only good for zero degrees or 30 degrees, if you know, it'll be a little cheaper, but it's yeah. uh, not worth the extra money. And also good to check just the actual antifreeze, uh, you know, inside your radiator and everything. Make sure that you've got enough antifreeze uh, inside the coolant on, on your engine so it doesn't freeze and blow out a frost plug or something because that'll leave you stranded. Uh, so... One thing I do for vehicles as well is um, I have a little kind of like a collapsible shovel. Um, I have, I keep max tracks in my vehicles. If you've never heard of these, they're like, they're like six foot long boards that you can basically stick under your tires um, to get traction if you're stuck. Worst case, if you can't, I mean, use your car mats, um, you know, just stick them in front of your tires to get some traction. And one thing I uh, encourage a lot of people to do is, um, you know, keep a, a spare set of older boots in your vehicle. Uh, gloves, toque, um, just there's those winter specific items because a lot of times, I mean, if I know I'm going to the grocery store for five minutes, I may put on a pair of sneakers and um, not be really dressed for the elements. But if something were to happen or I get called out or something, um, you know, having to fight winter weather in sneakers is not going to be ideal for more than a few minutes, right? So having an old pair of boots is a really good idea to keep, keep in your vehicle as well. Well, especially mm-hmm. if you're just out for dinner with the family or whatever you're wearing, like, you know, if you're dressing up for a fancy dinner, same thing, you know, the boots would be handy if, if you get stuck somewhere. And it could be or, something like, you know, you, you blow a tire on the side of the highway and, you know, you can't really rely on CAA because they're, you know, hours and hours behind. So you just have to do it. And, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world if you do it in a nice pair of shoes, but it's going to be a lot more comfortable when you do it in a nice pair of warm boots, right? So. Mm-hmm. Actually, a quick question, guys, on the fire extinguishers. I think the reason I threw that in there as well is because I just actually find it a proper mount in my truck for one. But uh, is it worth giving it a tap on the bottom to loosen up the powder? Oh yeah, we talked about that while you were, uh, yeah, while okay. you were resetting. Yeah. Um, so just go back and listen to the episode once it's published, and you'll hear all. That. <laughs> okay, I won't ask any more questions, and that's good. No, but I think I think Alan was saying uh, either tapping on the bottom or was it like I I typically every three months I just kind of like basically put mine upside down and I'll put my ear to the, the cylinder to make sure I can hear the powder kind of drop. And then I'll do that a few times just to make sure it's not caked and, you know, it turns into concrete essentially. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I do the same thing. I, I, every fire extinguisher around, I take it off the mount, tip it upside down, kind of flip it up and down a few times and kind of give it a little shake so you can hear the powder moving around. And if you don't, then it's probably time to be, uh, probably time to be serviced. Mm-hmm. One thing to keep in your vehicle as well is um, 
uh, I mean, water if you can, depending on your climate, uh, but uh, like protein bars, right? So, I mean, if you're, um, you know, it's it's happened even here where they've had to shut down the highway because the the plows weren't able to run the the you know the temperature and the winter weather was too much, so people were stuck in their hours for in in their car for hours and hours. So even having a few protein bars would um, keep keep you full, I guess, right? So not not that big of a prep, but it'll make a whole world of a difference if you have to use them. So oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just talking vehicles, uh, you know, fall time is kind of a good time of year to maybe burn some ISO heat through the gas tank. That'll help burn out any moisture in there, uh, sea foam, that sort of stuff. I mean, a lot of your car problems, I feel like, are going to pop up in the winter. If you've got a bad battery, it's going to leave you stranded in the wintertime, so it's a good time to check the battery. If you've got any check engine lights on or if you know the brakes are grinding on your car or whatever it might be, get them taken care of now. Uh, especially if you do the work yourself and you don't have a heated garage to work in. Mm. It's a lot more comfortable to do it when it's, you know, 60 degrees Fahrenheit outside as opposed to minus 20. So, yeah, I mean like all this uh, vehicle prep stuff isn't as, as glamorous as like going to the range and, you know, practicing your tactical ops, <laughs> but it's still, it's preparations just the same, right? So yeah, you can't it, the range unless your vehicle's working. Yeah. That's right. It's probably going to pay off more in the long run. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, think, I think it was Eisenhower said that the, the challenges that they face operating in Europe had nothing to do with being shot at and everything to do with getting equipment between, mm-hmm. uh, between locations. Yep. Well, if, you yeah. can't, if you can't get to the fight, it doesn't matter how cool your stuff is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, because of the internet, where did we leave off on the list there? Uh, kind of talking vehicles. I guess one other thing I had to add too, if, if you've got like a, an RV that's going to park during the winter time, if you've got a boat that you're going to stick into storage, um, some of those tools that you don't use during the winter, like a weed whip or a leaf blower, or maybe your chainsaw, uh, it's a good time to kind of winterize those, try to run the gas out of them because the gas will likely go bad after a few months, uh, disconnect the battery, um, those sorts of things. So Now's a good time to check your, uh, we, we stopped on Ian's list on uh, fire alarms, smoke detectors, um, any anti-freezing devices, like if you have um, heat tape for your pipes or whatever it may be. Um, and I suppose I could stop reading Ian's list while he's <laughs> Ian's here too. So uh, anti-freezing devices is where we left off on your list. Yeah, no worries. Uh, like for example, the pump house there. So down below, uh, the only thing that we really have for heating down there is just like the little heat tape we have wrapped around it because obviously it doesn't get that cold, but when it does, it's like, you don't want your pipes to burst. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, one thing to do is just quickly take an ice pack or something, put it against the thermostat or the thermocoupler or whatever the, the, the temperature sensing device is. And wait for that heat tape to come on. If it doesn't, obviously it's time to maybe think about changing that out because if that thing goes, then all of a sudden you have no water for your whole house and things go haywire. So um, certainly things like that. So whether it be uh, battery blankets, you know, we talked about, I'm sure the uh, the block heaters, everything else, anything that's going to come on and help you like keep things from freezing solid. Mm-hmm. A solid idea, right? Yep. I know <laughs> like places that are drafty in the house, if you've got like crawl spaces in the basement, uh, things like that. It's a good time to go in there and, and maybe see what you can do to seal them up. Um, you know, some expanding foam or even they sell like those little, uh, like the little plastic window treatments that you kind of seal on with a, with a hair dryer. Those, those do actually work pretty well. So it just kind of traps the air in there to help insulate that. So I've not seen that done in a long time. I remember my parents used to do it. Really? Uh, yeah, but I haven't seen it done here. I mean, oh, most of I the homes a- here are like you know, fu- you know, 
moderately new construction, right. really mm-hmm. airtight homes, right? So it's not yep. typically. Yeah, if you live in an older home, I, I rented a, a crappy house in college with a bunch of guys, and it was the draftiest house I could have ever lived in, I think. And uh, yeah, that was definitely one thing we all did in the fall. We'd seal up the windows and just kind of try to plug up some cracks, even if it's just with towels and blankets, things like that. Uh, it, it really does make a difference. So. One thing I did, uh, I think it was two or three weeks ago now, is uh, a lot of the gutters I had around my home uh, were starting to get plugged up with leaves and all that kind of stuff. And this is something I should have done in the spring, didn't get around to it, but there was literally things growing in my gutters because, I mean, there was just such a a biomass in them that, you know, Mm -hmm. seeds were falling, stuff was growing. So anyways, I managed to clean those out. um, And because if you don't, it's going to create ice, it's going to create ice jams in, in, in the winter time, um, yeah. and that could add a lot of stress and weight to uh, the, the gutter. So, I mean, it literally took me maybe uh, two hours. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely something that, that was def- definitely overdue. So yeah, and it's just a good time to kind of crawl up on the roof and check, make sure you don't have any like flashing <clears throat> that's peeling up. There's not any shingles that are peeled back. You know, make sure nothing's blown off the roof. Uh, chances are, at least for me, I pretty much got to go up and shovel off the roof at least once a winter. Um, so make sure, you know, there's not a bunch of nails that have pulled out and are sticking way up that are going to give you, give you a hard time when you're up there trying to shovel snow off. Yeah, I, I actually do the, win- the, the window film every year in my house. Now this year, fingers crossed before it gets too nasty, but who knows what, le- what the next level of Jumanji is going to bring us. But um, I'm actually having the windows replaced in this fall, so I'm, I'm expecting them in the next six weeks, hopefully. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I've I've done that every year. I think I've been here four years now, and you have to, otherwise. I mean, we're out here in the middle of nowhere, and you know, with hundred-year-old windows, and they're uh, well, these ones probably aren't hundred years old, but they're um, they're drafty. They it, it's mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's absolutely necessary if you if you have especially single-pane windows. Anything you can do to add more uh, more air barriers between you and the outside, the less less uh, you're going to have to use to less fuel you're going to have to use to heat your home in the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even just having window treatments, you know, if you've got curtains that you can pull closed over the windows, even yep. just that little bit will will do a lot more than you would think. So, just wanted to quickly address one of the comments um, that's coming on YouTube here. Uh, Freedom for us mentions sea foam to stabilize gas, and that's a really good point because I mm-hmm. I hear and see a lot of people that will actually you know stockpile gas to a certain extent, but they don't treat it in, in any way. And really, you know, if you're not treating that fuel, it's it's it starts yep. to go bad pretty quickly, right? So yeah, it's a great going point. Bad, I mean, you know, if I if I take you know five gallons of of relatively old gas and put it in my truck, and then put 25 gallons of of good fuel in there. Probably mm-hmm. not going to be an issue, um, but especially for small engines, anything that's carbureted, um, you know, the gas is is that's been sitting around is not going to be good for the engine, right? So even if you trade it with either seafoam or stable or any other type mm-hmm. of product like that, um, I think you're you're extending the life of the fuel to at least six months. I've heard up to two years. I don't think I'd push yeah. it that far, but. Um, and then it's really coming down to, you know, having a plan to rotate that fuel, right? So, I mean, if you've got three or four uh, jerry cans, make sure that, you know, every two or three weeks you're taking the oldest one, you're dumping in your vehicle, you're popping up your vehicle, and then you refill that jerry can, you put it at the end of the road rotation. It doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. complex system, it just has to be a system that you know you've got, you know, my oldest gas is three months old, which is, you know, if it's treated, it's not going to yep. be an issue, so... Yeah, for myself, I've got six five-gallon gas cans, and I take four of them and just fill them every six months. I take a Sharpie and write right on the outside the date, and then I put Stabil in there as I fill it up, and, you know, I'll put the date and then add with Stabil. 
And then those four just sit there and I've got two cans that I kind of constantly cycle. If those two are empty, I just go fill them up. So then I've always got, you know, 20 gallons on hand ready to go. And then every six months I just pour that into the car and then go and fill them up one day. So it's really pretty simple. And I know I've always got plenty of fuel there to at least get me somewhere. And then I guess with fuel storage too, uh, I've heard that if you just leave it sitting directly on concrete, that will, will degrade quite a bit faster. Uh, maybe set it up on a pallet or board, something like that. It's funny, uh, I heard also, that for batteries too. For like, yep. if you bring twelve volt batteries in, um, mm-hmm. like I, I have, you know, some batteries that are in the travel tray, tra- travel trailer. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, brought those in, and I was going to sit them on the concrete floor, but I figured, no, I think I'm going to put them on some boards, just elevated off the ground, right? So, yep. Um, I heard that for batteries. Yeah. Yep. What definitely a good, good idea. What if that's just a temperature thing, or what that would be? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm sure temperature has to do with it. I, I don't know if moisture has to do with it because concrete is porous. Um, I think it's a little bit more with the moisture than anything. Moisture stuff, yeah. 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 Too, yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, that's just so on the opposite end of the, uh, the spectrum from the uh, the thing where you run the uh, the vehicles dry and stuff and the, the weed eaters and stuff. Uh, generator testing. So for myself, like I usually leave the generator relatively empty over the summer because it's not as big of an issue. So this is where the time where I actually put the you know the fresher gas in, check the oil, make sure it's working properly. Will it still warm out versus the middle of the snowstorm when you're trying to get the thing going? Um, it's just one of those things where it's kind of you want to give it a test if you haven't run it for a little while, make sure everything's on tickety boo. Somebody gave me a tip once. It's, uh, you know, one thing you should always have on hand when it comes to a generator other than fuel and oil is always have a couple spark plants, sorry, spark plugs on hand. Um, and sometimes you may misplace the spark plugs and that may be the one thing that's causing this. The, yeah, there you go. It may be causing your generator out to start. So the, the, the tip was take an old pill, Bob, take an old pill bottle, put your spark plug in there and then basically zip tie it or duct tape it around the frame of the generator so you know you always have a spark plug handy. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds crazy, but I have, believe it or not, misplaced spark plugs to the point where I've had to go to a store to buy some, and then two months later, I find my stash of spark plugs. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> there it is. So, well, it's just because everything from the chainsaw to the generators to, you know, the obvious logs, but everything takes a different type of spark plug. I even go as far as labeling on the actual Label spark plug them. thing. Yep. Which one? Yeah. This one says champion generator. Uh, that way, you know, which which one's for which, and I leave it inside the shop. So it because get, you know, the worst two is I'll pull the champion out of the generator, but I bought the equivalent NGK spark plug and they're different model numbers. And then I don't have the cross reference in front of me. And it's like, is it going to fit in the hole? Sure. But is the piston going to hit it and destroy the engine? Maybe. Right. So, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, as far as myself goes, climate specific, I guess for the West coast is the last minute weatherproofing and painting because it's the rust belt here. So one thing I try to do is make sure there's anything that's got exposed metal or, or needs a touch up of paint, try and get it done here in the last, few weeks here before the uh, the rainy season starts because pretty soon it turns into like a scene from Forrest Gump where he's describing all the different types of rain <laughs> got rain coming up from below and heavy rain and light rain <laughs> anyway um, yeah no it's it's ridiculous so uh, as far as that goes like even our little uh, skylight things that we have on the roof you gotta quickly give them a once over with the silicone uh, just everything else because you don't want to do that in the middle of summer or middle of winter should I say versus uh, when you can do it well it's relatively dry out And make sure that you do make sure that if you're anything that you're using to heat your home over the winter, whether it's your boiler and radiators, or your forced air furnace, whatever, make sure that that's tuned up and ready to go. Change your filters if you have if it's forced air, change your air filters. Nothing will make your will break your furnace faster than dirty air filters. It makes your it just overworks everything and it's it's mm-hmm. bad news. So 
um, check that. Check that. Have it uh, if you're if you're on a um, a boiler system uh, in Ontario. Anyways, it has to be inspected annually by a qualified TSSA inspector. Uh, and if it's not, then the uh, um, any gas fitter is required to issue a 30-day notice to have it shut down. Well, so. I think for us, um, you know, being in the fire department, October and November is kind of like our chimney fire month. Um, oh, so yeah. 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 So make sure that if, you know, if you have a wood-burning appliance, make sure that it's uh, that the chimney is swept and cleaned. Um, and, you know, we go to quite a few um, chimney fires, and oftentimes, you know, we tell the homeowners, make sure that the, uh, the, the chimney is inspected uh, by a wet certified uh, technician before you use it again. Because typically, it's not the first, I mean, when you have a chimney fire, that chimney fire is not, it's not that big of a deal. It's if you have a fire in that same chimney again without having inspected, because chances are when we put the chimney fire out, we're going to crack the lining with the very cold water that we're putting against the very hot gases. And when we crack the lining and if it's up against your house, that's when you're going to have an attic fire. And chances are by the time we get to your house, it's going to be a fully involved fire. So mm -hmm. um, just make sure you, you know, spend, spend the money, um, either buy the equipment and do it yourself if you're not comfortable. Um, hire somebody who can do some chimney sweeping. Typically, it's not that expensive, but can save yeah. you a lot of headaches, right? So, I say both, both options are relatively inexpensive. You, you can get a pretty nice chimney brush for probably less than a hundred dollars, and, and that's about what it's going to cost you to pay someone to come out here and do it too. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. no, that's exactly. I think they charged one hundred and seventy-five every time they came out here before, and so I went this because of the COVID. Uh, I went and grabbed the uh, chimney brush and I think five or six pieces of extension for the uh, the, the handle. Yep. I think it came to like 60 bucks total yep. and yeah, it took me half an hour of my time done and yeah. it's paid for itself already. And so next year is just a bonus, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully no chimney fire that way. Either, uh, but either one of those options are cheaper than a chimney fire. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and not just that, but I mean, like if you have, you should have hopefully done this, taking care of this in the springtime, as well as like your wood supply, if you're on a wood stove, because mm -hmm. I mean, now everybody's looking for their wood supply and everybody's looking to get the chimney clean before fire season starts. So hopefully you're a better prepper than, than, than I guess the average Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so. And another tip too, I know we said fill up the propane stocks, but do it like in July, not in, you know, October, because it's going to be a lot cheaper when you fill it up in July. So if you can uh, get it filled up during the summertime, because prices are a lot lower. And, uh, you know, if that lasts you halfway through the winter or whatever it might be, uh, you can save some money there too. Yeah, the price of diesel is about to go up. So now's a good time, mm -hmm. to, now's a good time to stock up. Yeah. Sorry, uh, last thing I had Let's say my uh, preps for the fall was just animal feed and supplies. So uh, anything you're just lacking that uh, hopefully enough to get you through the winter because hay won't get any cheaper than it is now because the farmers have all sorts of uh, surplus hay handy. Uh, trying mm -hmm. to buy hay in March is a different story altogether. So uh, it, maybe buy a little more than you think you might need and then hopefully you can coast all the way through winter. Does anyone on the panel know? I mean, I know we just spoke about um, storing gas, but when it comes to storing diesel, because um, I'm going to have to look to do that over the winter, and I've never really done it. Um, I know that I think you can get algae in it if there's water in the diesel, um, but I don't know what else is a consideration for uh, storing di diesel, I guess. Well, the problem is you can't get water out of diesel as easily as you can out of like regular gas, because gas mm -hmm. it separates, right? And I uh, or you can use a uh, methyl hydrate or something like that to get it out if there is any frozen water in there. However, uh, diesel, I don't think you can get the water out very easily at all. And I think there is a fungicide or an algicide you can put in it right. uh, that will prevent the, the algae from growing. 
But as far as like a stable equivalent, I don't know if there is one. I, I don't run anything on diesel right now. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I, I think I've seen something, but I know like, I know the tractor has a water uh, fuel oil. Water yeah. Pressure. I was going to say water, water inside the fuel is a lot more detrimental to a diesel engine because as soon as it goes through the injector nozzle, it basically gets so hot, it'll explode and blow the tip off the injector. Gotcha. Um, okay. As far as storage goes, I mean, you know, take the same precautions, keep it off the ground. Um, and when I did have a diesel truck, I would always run Howie's through it. It's like a diesel treat. Um, the biggest thing you're going to have with diesel in the wintertime is, is you're going to have problems with it gelling up. Uh, once it gets too cold, it kind of solidifies and it starts to gel up. Yeah, um, so I'm going to be keeping it in, I wouldn't say climate control, but it's it's probably around, I'm going to mm-hmm. say like 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, which is yep. probably 40 to 45 Fahrenheit, I'm, I'm guessing. Okay, um, yeah. So that's it's not, it's not freezing, but it's it's not comfortable yeah. either. Right? You're really only going to run into like gel problems with a diesel gelling up at probably minus 10 to 20 Fahrenheit, so okay. I don't know what that would be Celsius, but... Not something yeah. you can see on the East Coast either, right? Or West Coast. <laughs> no, but uh, for my day job, we do see it uh, when the, the fuel gets up to uh, temperature. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because you guys yeah. are minus 50, minus 60 up there, right? So Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we do have, like, a, a temperature limit as well, and it tends to actually get waxy after a while The uh, if you've been up in the air for a while, so mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. So. Um, I guess I'll jump in. Uh, like, kind of some other home preps. Um I kind of briefly talked, you know, any yard ornaments, decorations, patio furniture, if you've got like hammocks or swings outside, uh, bring them in under cover. Um, anything you basically don't want getting covered in snow or frozen to the ground, uh, it's probably time to bring those in, at least if you live in Wisconsin. Um, roll up all of your garden hoses, and if you've got, uh, you know, outside water lines, maybe a water line that runs down to the garage or out to the garden or something, uh, you know, shut that water source off. And if you need to, uh, you can blow that line out so it doesn't uh, freeze, expand, and, and basically crack the line. Uh, let's see. Uh, we talked about the furnace filter. Replace the furnace filter and the water filter. Get a, you know, furnace tune-up. A uh, good time to do all that stuff. Uh-huh. Let's see. Uh, switch out to your winter wardrobe and uh, maybe a good time to waterproof the boots, um, shoes, gloves, those sorts of things. Um, if you're walking through snow, they're going to get wet. So, uh, having them waterproof really does help quite a bit. Yeah. There's that dubbing available for leather boots and stuff like that. So even if it's not naturally a waterproof fabric, you can always add like it's basically grease for like, yeah. yep. uh, put the dubbing all over the boots and it keeps them from cracking too. So yeah, it does. It, you know, it'll help them last a little longer and, uh, it'll keep your feet a little bit warmer in the winter. Uh, for some garden preparations, uh, fall time is a good time to get soil tested and see what you're lacking after all the plants have grown. Uh, it's also a good time of year to add fertilizer and till if you've got the capability to do that and plan to do so. Um, before winter, it's a good time to pull out any dead plants or anything that's finished growing. Uh, you can leave them in there to help add organic material to the soil, but uh, there's also a risk that any bacteria or diseases those plants carry might uh, transfer through the soil and into next year's crop. So it's a good good idea to just pull them out if you can. Um, so do you guys have to actually add like those shelters over your perennials to keep the heavy snow off or anything? Or like, how do you guys? Um, we don't really do anything with them here. I know like some of the flowers and more like perennial shrubs and more decorative stuff uh, you can cover a lot of times would take the dead leaves, basically rake them into a big pile. And then you just spread those over your perennials. Um, I guess I don't really care that much about them. So I don't yeah. do anything with them and they keep coming back like the hostas and things like that. Uh, no, they always come back. 
I was saying more of the food crops or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the food crops go, this is our first year with, uh, um, like any fruit trees. We just planted some fruit trees this spring and some berry bushes. Um, we're not really planning on doing anything with them. So I guess we'll, we'll find out next year, but we did, uh, we actually did surprisingly get quite a bit of berries off of our bushes. Um, another thing you can do is cover your garden in black plastic. That's going to help, uh, do two things. It's going to help kill out the weeds. And it's going to also uh, help that ground warm up quite a bit faster in the springtime. So you could get planted sooner if you want to. If you've got a short growing season, that's uh, one way you can kind of extend that growing season. Um, if you've got fruit trees or berry bushes that need to be pruned uh, or transplanted, fall is usually a good time to do that. Um, forage any of your last wild edibles if you're looking for mushrooms, anything like that. Um, it's also a good time to tear down your fencing, uh, take out any planters or any garden tools you've got laying around. Uh, they tell you you should disinfect them um, for the same reason, uh, so they don't transfer bacteria to next year's crop. And then uh, put those away in storage. And then uh, collect and dry seeds if you've got any that you want to save for next year. And then uh, maybe a good time to turn over your compost pile as well. And then uh, I guess moving into kind of like farm animal prep, um, clean out the bedding from the pens. It's a lot easier to do it now as opposed to when there's snow on the ground. Uh, it's a good time to pull out all the buckets and feeders and just give them a good scrubbing before the winter time. Uh, if, you, if you need heated buckets, if it gets below freezing often in your area, um, you can switch to a heated bucket or heated water pan, whatever works for you. Uh, it's a good time to add heat lamps for any outdoor animals if they need them. And if you've got chickens, you might want to think about putting a light in the coop to help with uh, egg production over the winter. And then the final note is a uh, good time to kind of pest-proof animal shelters because uh, all the mice and rodents and things are going to be looking for a place to bed down during the winter time. So if you can prevent them from getting into the barn or into the shed, uh, it's going to be a little easier to keep them out. So. Uh, let's see, fall and winter time. Do you is, uh, keep the uh, old bedding at all? Uh, yeah, I just compost it all back down. So I've just got a compost pile um, kind of near the animal where we keep the animals. And then as I clean it out, I just dump it all in the compost pile. And then I'll usually just uh, basically turn that, you know, once a month or every other month with the skid steer. And then after about a year, I'll take that pile, set it off to the side because it'll be uh, pretty well broken down to black dirt by then. And then uh, I'll add that to the garden and then basically get another pile going so yeah i shocked at how fast the hay around here uh, rots down as well it's actually yeah turns into soil really fast yeah especially yeah if you've got the means to turn it every once in a while and even uh, you know if it gets dry you go out there with a sprinkler and kind of add some water to it uh yeah it'll compost relatively quickly uh, and that goes for you know if you're doing uh kind of yard cleanup in the fall time all your leaves and stuff that you rake up um, a lot of that stuff that you that you do pull out of the garden, you can compost. Uh, you know, if you're not worried about any disease or anything like that, you can compost it. Um, yeah, it's a good thing to do with it all. So, uh, let's see. Uh, fall time is popular time for hunting. It's not something that I have gotten into yet, but hope to do so soon. Um, I don't know if anybody else wants to chime in, but definitely uh, deer season. There's always. I know all my buddies are out uh, putting deer stands in and clearing shooting lanes and all sorts of things. So. Well, unfortunately, it's kind of a year-long event because, I mean, you should be hopefully scoping out the territory well in advance where you want to hunt. Uh, don't be the guy that goes to there at the beginning of September to sight in your rifle because hunting season <laughs> starts next week because there's like 50 guys doing the same thing and then you're fighting over a spot and everything else. So better to have that rifle sighted in back in March. Um, 
everything else like that, everything from load testing to gear, gear, you know, accumulation, everything else. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's all done. And this is this time to go and enjoy it. Like this is, this is hopefully this time to just go and, and hopefully get something. Um, yeah, put some I meat fo- in the freezer. Hopefully, yeah. Focus more on the meat, meat uh, processing afterwards. I guess right around this time, which I guess in that case, I guess if your significant other does canning, or if you maybe want to like think about grinding or smoking or making your own bacon for the first time, this is the time to like actually get that, all that stuff prepped together because that could mm-hmm. probably happen more likely. But yeah, I mean, yeah, hunting is kind of a year-round thing, right? Uh, let's see, we already covered vehicles, so I guess the last thing I have to add is uh, talking about snow plowing or snow removal. Um, so if you do live in a climate where snow is an issue like it is here, uh, you know, make arrangements to either do that yourself or look for someone to hire. Um, you know, you can either get a snow plow, uh, like a truck with a snow plow. Um, I've got a skid loader with a snow plow on it. Uh, a snow blower if you've got a smaller driveway and can make that work. Um, whatever it is that you rely on to keep the snow cleared off your driveway so you can get in and out. Uh, basically make sure, you know, now's the time to go through, make sure it's got a new cutting edge, make sure it runs and, and drives and everything works like it should. Um, you don't want to be dealing with that. The, the first snowstorm that we get, you know, 10 or 12 inches of snow and you're out there in the morning trying to clear your way out to work. Uh, I've been there and it's not a good time. So now's the time to, to, to make sure those things are running. Uh, mark anything on along your, you know, if you pile snow up next to the house, anything like that. Um, mark out your well pump, any electrical boxes, uh, like uh, landscape rock or garden edging, anything like that. It's a good thing to mark it out so you don't hit that as you plow snow. And then uh, like Hughes and myself did this past week, it's a good time to, if you've got a gravel driveway, kind of do a final grade before everything freezes down. I always like the uh, reflectors on the side of the driveway, you know, to yeah. because <laughs> after a while, it's like, until you get the big berms happening on both sides, yep. uh, and the first few snowfalls, it's hard to tell what the driveway is. Yeah, exactly. If I don't do that, I can't, I, I lose my driveway entirely in the winter. It's uh, <laughs> same here. Well, just because of where the, where the street light is and where the, the side of my house is and like, how, like my driveway goes, you know, all the way back, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's significant. And, uh, I mean, not as big as. You know, Ian's or Tyler's, but it's it's long enough that uh, um, when I'm coming mm-hmm. from the dark, I can't see anything without those reflectors. So they're they're an yep. must do for us. Well, for me too, my driveway going up the hill towards the road, there's a drop off that goes from like only six inches to about three feet, and I can't tell you the number of times in the past couple of years, like the UPS truck or anything has basically gone off the you know, gone off a little bit. They managed mm-hmm. to get themselves out, but not without creating a lot of damage because it's just right. it was gravel, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, ha- having those is more of a mental game to make sure the driver stays within that, that line. And, you know, when I'm plowing, it's it's actually a good marker to have as well. So, yeah, uh, places helps. like Harbor Freight or Princess Auto, wherever you are in Canada or the U.S., I mean, you can get these things for relatively cheap and they're, they're pretty good investments. So, mm-hmm. a couple of bucks a piece. They're, they're a great reminder. I've got, I, I run three down my what 60 foot driveway it's it's enough that i can nice. it's enough that i know where to stop where, where i know where to stop and i can always see them in the uh, in the mirrors mm-hmm. i've been my own too with just two bamboo sticks you just kind of stick them in the ground as like an x and you put a little zip tie around it um i mean for areas that are not going to have a lot of traffic it just kind of gives you a delineation of where the driveway ends um, mm-hmm. obviously if there's going to be some vehicle traffic and you're plowing it the, the markers are a better option right so yeah it's surprising how similar everything looks covered in a couple inches of snow it's <laughs> very yep. difficult to tell <clears throat> yeah snow snow covers all pure mm-hmm. clean yeah. snow <laughs> <laughs> right. that's pretty much everything i had 
Yeah, it covers yeah. all the all the topics off we want to chat about. I think so, yeah. Everything Probably. I can think of, yeah. Let's move into the podcast challenge then. Use. Oh, sorry. Um uh, so sorry. Uh, have at a minimum enough gear in your vehicle to spend a night. Uh, the the unheated uh, in your local climate. So uh, I think this really comes down to some of the things we talked about earlier to make sure you have some uh, climate specific clothing for where you are, as well as think about having uh, water if it's not going to freeze, or even things like uh, protein bars or energy bars so you can spend the night. Um, even something like a little Arctic candle, um, something you just hand your or, or warm your hands with, uh, might be a great idea as well. Yeah, actually, I had a, uh, a quick beta test on that this spring. Um, during the, I guess, the biggest part of the lockdown, there, the local ferries had shut down. Uh, they didn't bother to tell anybody until late the night before. So I showed up for my ferry, and it was a six-hour delay, and it was like minus five or whatever out. But so I had a, a about six hours in the vehicle, and all the restaurants were closed. You couldn't get out of the lineup for the ferry, and didn't want to run my vehicle all the time. So I just managed to pull up my blanket, put on a toque, go to bed. Six hours later, woke up. I was all refreshed, and yeah, it was actually pretty good. So other people sit there running their vehicles the whole time. So it happened to me once. I got I, I got stuck waiting at uh, customs. I had to wait for some paperwork um, to bring something across the border, and it turned into about fourteen hours. I got to the border at about ten p.m. Uh, and it was November, so it was it was just below freezing. And yeah, kind of the same situation. I could have um, I could have run my car, but there's absolutely no way I was doing that overnight. So uh, yeah, just got my blanket out and. Um, you know, lean the lean the seat back, had a little nap, and then uh, waiting for the waiting for the paper. And eventually, one of the customs officers came out and knocked on the window and wanted to know what the heck I was doing sitting in his parking lot. But uh, <laughs> that's a story for a different time. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, make sure that you've got all the all the all the stuff. Um, it, we said it, we said it earlier about having a little bit of food. Um, it's not required, right? Our our bodies can go three weeks without without eating. Um, I wouldn't want to try that, but you can. Um, but it's really unpleasant, right? Just, uh, just you know, we're, we're going to get some booster. Yeah, wow. we're going from the difference of, of surviving to thriving. So if you've got mm-hmm. just enough enough to keep you happy there, um, I keep a little one pound uh, one pound propane bottle and a little single burner stove that I got at Canadian Tire for I think Ooh. fifteen bucks. Um, that serves dual purpose. One, it lets me cook, but it also, or it, it keeps my, my truck warm, but it also allows me to, to heat up food. So I've got, you know, I keep oatmeal packets and stuff in my, uh, in my emergency kit so that I've, you know, I can, I can take snow from the outside if I'm absolutely desperate, pack it down into an ice ball, melt it on it, melt it in the pot on the stove, stay warm and make, you know, a hot meal while I'm, uh, while I'm sitting waiting for, waiting to be rescued. Who's making the yellow snow joke? <laughs> I, I was holding off. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move into some upcoming events. Don't have much left on here. Uh, just for myself, just a reminder, everybody. I think we're down to about a month left tops uh, to attend a maple seed event. So some uh, also known as apple seed down in the states for Tyler, but uh, mapleseedrifleman.com. You can check out the website. There's a few shoots left in uh, Ontario for sure, and I think Alberta. Um, I also put the a link to the video in the show notes about uh, what you need to bring and what it's all about. Uh, definitely worth your time just for some basic marksmanship skills and maybe to meet some like-minded people. Uh, just so happened that the instructor I forgot to mention last time was a listener uh, as uh, to both podcasts I'm on and uh, as well as two of the other Maple Seeders. So, awesome. That was kind of nice to see. So yeah, That's neat. Uh, yeah, that, it's great that that's happening because the rest of the entire world has been canceled for this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's good to see that there's, there's still some things that are happening. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, let's move into some shout outs. So uh, I've got one for a lis- listener, uh, Maverick321. Uh, I'm sorry about with this weekend not being able to get together for coffee, but it's been absolutely insane. So hopefully shortly uh, we can make that coffee meetup happen. Cool. As for myself, I got one for uh, Tracy, the part-time prepper. Uh, see you next week. She should hopefully yeah. be on the show with us talking about her um, her uh, retail store and also what she does on Facebook. It's going to be a good episode. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so we'll move into, unless anybody else on the panel has some shout-outs. Um, I'll just shout out the uh, shout out my family and uh, my family and his and, and all of their friends that are uh, um, taking a big drive for a big flight to go for to go for a long ways away. Um, good luck, best wishes to all all of you, and we'll uh, we'll see when you come back. Yeah, stay safe, brother. All right, we'll move into uh, email and iTunes reviews. So we got one email from uh, JN. It reads, uh, enjoyed your latest episode. Uh, another option is a wall-mounted standalone propane heater uh, made by a company called Cozy Heat. Uh, they're millivolt-operated, uh, standing pilot, and can t- run off either propane or natural gas. Uh, they use convection to move heat, uh, like a hot water radiator, uh, and require no power unless you add the fan option. Uh, they're not cheap. They're around 1500 bucks uh, just for the unit. But uh, if your uh, county or municipality doesn't let you install wood stoves you can st- and you still want a backup uh, heat option, then that's one. Um, some caveats, um, you'll need a CO detector, and at minus 40 below, propane, uh, propane gas has trouble vaporizing, uh, but I hear burning an old tire next to it might help. <laughs> sure. yeah. So that, that caveat is true. You, you always need a CO detector. No matter what, and, and yep. if if I didn't beat that to death enough in the last episode, <laughs> yep. Anytime yeah. you are burning any kind of fuel, you need a CO detector. Period. Yeah. Full stop. Uh, actually, if he has a uh, if he has a link to that, if he could send it to us, that'd be great as well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yep. Uh, and then it just uh, signs off. It says, uh, "Keep up the good work," and uh, Jan. So appreciate that's, the email. That's a great idea. It's like, I mean, yeah. Now that I see that, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look into that for my uh, for my garage because I was trying to think of I was trying to come up with ways to um, ways to heat my garage that didn't involve putting out the big radiant tubes and that seems like an excellent option so I'm going to look yeah. into that JN thank you very much for the suggestion yeah it's awesome all right well with that I will bring episode number 85 of the Canadian Pepper podcast to an end uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes Podbean Spotify or of course your favorite podcast app uh, please help us out submit a review it helps other people find us and we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when we're going live. By the way, we do love the comments in the uh, in both Facebook and YouTube uh, live feeds. We, we, we sure do. do. appreciate that. Uh, if you want to contact me directly, you can find me on Instagram at PPSWO or Alan with one L at PrepperPodcast.ca. And for myself, for Hughes, I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com or Hughes at prepperpodcast.ca. I also have my own YouTube channel. Just search for hfxprepper. And if you've got any questions or advice for myself, you can email into the show at tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. We record Monday evenings, uh, same time, same channel here. It's uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. There you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes you want to hibernate until spring. <laughs> you get me every week. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat while you're, of course, buying some prepper gear. 
Uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>